0: This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. COVID 19 has revealed itself, its intent, its nature, And in the words of Winston Churchill, a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, it causes unbalance to our lives, inconsistencies in our logic, and challenges to our already challenged societal inequities. This disease has many offhandedly still thinking it's just the flu, and they use a quick short-sighted comparison of the number of people who die each year from the flu to the number associated with COVID-19 along with the reaction process and procedures that are imposed on Americans with the current stay-at-home order as well as the no congregating and the closure of businesses including my favorite hobby of eating out and this is not research and it's dangerous to everyone. Coronavirus, known simply as Rona, has grabbed our independence by the throat and has pinned us against the wall. It appears it is not letting go for quite some time. The effect felt personally, economically, and relationally are all national in their scope and span. Food banks are not immune. It was just four weeks ago that Jerry and I sat with Dr. Dawn Opal new to our network as the director of research and strategic initiatives, and discuss the challenges of tackling the social determinants of health, specifically food insecurity, in the context of health care. This all seems so simple and far away now. We are different today than we were four weeks ago, and we are different today than we were last week. Today, Jerry and I try to solve the riddle inside of mystery trapped in an enigma called COVID-19 and its effect on us, our teams, our work, and our challenges, and we share with you some inspiring stories from our network about how people are pushing back against the threat of the coronavirus in order to come to the aid of their fellow Michiganders. Stay with us. You will be inspired. Come back and join me with our own enigmatic co-host, Jerry Brisson, as he joins me in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, enigmatic as he is. Jerry? Yeah,
1: wow, I get to be enigmatic today. That's pretty exciting. Uh, uh, I'm not sure sure exactly how to take that but i'm going to take it in its most positive light
0: as as you should my friend as you should um you know jerry uh we are in the midst of um the this this pandemic of covid 19 your food bank gleaners community food bank along with forgotten harvest um is in one of America's hot zones, and it's got to be, I think our listeners would want just a quick update, and I know so many um, positive things are happening in the face of this dangerous disease in and around and through Detroit, and I know you, we were just talking yesterday about how proud you are to be a part of this community and and some of the responses that are happening, so maybe just get a, a quick introduction to that for us, and and, um, and then we'll we'll go into the content of the show, and I think people will be greatly inspired.
1: Well, I think probably there's two um, aspects of the crisis that are really present and obvious every day. The first one is the work that's being done, obviously, to, to increase our distributions. And I know that's happening at food banks all across the state. But the other part of it is the number of people calling and genuinely asking, what can I do? And if that means what you really need is funding, let me figure out how I can help you get funded for whatever you need. And, and there's been a lot of people calling genuinely just asking, okay, what can I do? because people want to make a difference. And, and you know, it's not uncommon in a time of crisis that people step up. It is it is what people do. But there are so many people who really and truly care about everyone in the community um, and want to make sure that, that kids and families are taken care of, that seniors are taken care of. and And people are willing to admit, you know, in their world, they might not have direct contact with, all of the people that need help, and so they really want to understand better. What is it that people need, and why do they need it, and, and is there any way I can help meet that need? So, so I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of general, but there are right. many really specific stories about this.
0: Well, I think we want to cover some of those specific stories today on the show, and I think the one I'd like to start with is, um, is an old partner of the Food Bank Council and our seven Feeding America food banks across the state, because all of us are involved with them. And these guys just, they don't quit. They just keep doing more in the face of what is a pretty difficult market for them. And I'm talking about the Michigan Milk Producers Association. Jerry, I know that you guys have been so involved in this distribution of fluid milk uh, well before the pandemic. But now in the pandemic, uh, they stepped up again to give us more. So what what does this mean to the people that you're serving and that, that the food banks are serving all across the state?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to start from the household and work my way back because probably the most outstanding thing happening on a daily basis is watching people drive up that they're going to get uh, milk as part of the distribution and the smiles and the sense of relief that people have that they're going to have milk in their house. I mean, milk is so highly sought after, and it's one of those things that disappears from the shelf pretty quickly in the store. So, um, but But if your income is such that you can't afford to go to the store, how can you imagine having any of that in your house, right? And so right. having the milk... There, when people drive up, is a huge relief, and we see tears. We see tears of joy, but we also see, you know, the the stress relief,
0: and I don't know how
1: to describe that any better. You know, it it really is remarkable when people see that they're getting uh, milk with the distribution. If we work backwards from there and we think about what milk means to the network, um, it is a very convenient thing for us. We we have the distribution methodology down. We've been working with the milk producers for so long. It's something that we can activate really quickly. And so when we think about the convenience to us to have this product available, I mean, it really does make our job a little bit easier to have these relationships and know that the milk is coming that we need. And if we take it one more step back from that and look at how the, the partnership leverages dollars in so many different ways, it makes a tremendous sense from a value proposition standpoint to be having that product. So, so we are, we know that the milk producers because of a lot of different trade issues have struggled for years with uh, uh, more capacity than what they could sell. And now when everybody wants their product and they could probably sell every gallon, the fact that they're making us a priority and really making sure that the people we serve have this milk, it's very touching and very heartwarming.
0: You know, Jerry, it's touching and it's heartwarming, but it's also inspiring to us as a network who get up every day and face these huge logistical challenges of getting the food to people who are in need. And there's so many more people in need today than what there was a month ago because of the, the different waves of the, the, the school closures and their families, students and their families, and now senior citizens even more so with some of the sites closing down uh, and not able to do the volume of feeding that they're doing along with the gig worker the contract worker the employees of small businesses and the service industry of bars and restaurants all these people we're starting to see them in our lines and so the demand for food is even greater than it was and yes michigan milk producers could be selling the milk that they're donating to us instead they're coming alongside of us and they're really coming alongside of their hungry neighbors
1: well it it One of the things that we've talked about on the show several times uh, is trust. And, you know, you develop good relationships that are built on trusting uh, because you know people, you know their heart, you know their intention, and you know that what they really want to do is to the best of their ability, they want to do everything they can so that there's a, the whole community is taken care of. And so that's a deep sense of trust. And this is where that trust really pays off for everyone. You know, they, they know they can trust us to get the milk to the people that need it. We know we can trust them to step up when there is this additional need. And um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, really.
0: It's inspiring for sure. We want you to be inspired. Come back and be with Jerry and I in just a moment. We're going to talk about a couple of more commodities. And then it's a strange sight to see soldiers inside some of our food banks. You're going to want to hear that story, too. Come back and be with us in just a moment. contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at FBCMish.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here, and uh, Jerry, Michigan milk producers, but they're not the only commodities that are coming alongside of us. If you look to our Facebook page, which is the Food Bank Council of Michigan, you can go to that page and like that page. I know you're supposed to say, like my page. Because I don't really know what that means or what it does, but I know that's what I'm supposed to say. So go to the <laughs> Food Bank uh, Council of Michigan Facebook page, and you're going to see story after story after story of how Michiganders are coming alongside of the food banks across the state in order to serve their hungry neighbors. And additionally, to milk, Jerry, um, Michigan apples. In fact, I'm looking at the Food Bank Council of Michigan's Facebook page right now and I see people uh distributing apples and I see a gleaner's uh I see a gleaner's uh van in the background there and and you know you talked about how people were so relieved and so happy to see milk but now to see apples on top of that it just I mean it's just got to be so so a, a sight to behold I guess.
1: You know, my kids love apples. My kids love apples. We eat a ton of them because the kids love them. One of the things you'll see when we do um, stories about our distributions, we put pictures, right? And, and there's lots of different pictures that we put up. But many, many, many pictures, you see a kid grinning from ear to ear, taking a bite out of an apple. You just see uh-huh. it a lot. And, and there's a reason for that, right? I mean, it, they're fresh. They're delightful. You know, they're they're very very popular. And again, when we talk about what we provide to the community, certainly nourishment is one of the highest values, right? And we talk about the nourishing value of the food, but we also bring joy, and probably apples represent that as much or more as any other thing that we do. People are just so happy to get apples. They're happy for their kids. They know they're healthy. And uh, of course, we know that in Michigan, it's one of the most important products that we produce and that a lot of the apples we get are, um, are made possible because the state of Michigan works with us every year through our Michigan Agriculture Surplus System to make sure that if there's any apples in the supply chain that can be Um, that we can have, they help us get those at cost or better um, so that we can distribute them out. So now that we're having uh, this crisis, we've got people donating them as well. Well, now
0: you're not talking about donating a a couple of apples either. You're talking about 300,000 fresh Michigan apples and 727,000 sliced apple packages.
1: Yeah. A lot of apples, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we talk about um a lot taking things to scale is our work, right? It's what we do. Yep. And part of the reason is cuz there's so many people affected by this. Um you know, just in Southeast Michigan, there's over 300,000 kids who get free and reduced lunches at school. And so, you know, 700,000 apple packages we'll use a mighty fast.
0: Right, right. So it's awesome so, you know, one more commodity that I want to bring up here on the show, um, and again, you can go to our Facebook page at Food Bank Council of Michigan, and you'll see a lot of these stories here, but, you know, one of the things we're pretty happy about along with Michigan apples is Michigan potatoes, um, and a lot of our potatoes are used to, to make potato chips, which I happen to be a huge fan of, and... Um, <laughs> but you know the same thing jerry the michigan i mean we our network goes through a lot of potatoes every year in our distribution i mean last year 205 million pounds of food distributed across michigan from our network and here we come with uh potatoes and onions being a a, a primary distribution part, a part of our distributions and right when the season where there are no potatoes in the ground. nothing growing yet. Here comes the Michigan Potato Association with a gift to the Food Bank Council and our network to make sure that people have what they need during this crisis.
1: Well, and again, you know, potatoes are pretty good for us to distribute. And, and so, we, you know, they're pretty sturdy, right? They're, they're not easily squashed. And so we can, we can distribute them Fairly easily, we can put them in totes and then and then in bags and and every, you know the the vast majority of the community really wants potatoes. They will eat them. They know what to do with them. They can make lots of different good foods out of them. And so again, it's a very versatile product. And it might be a little bit wonky to talk about you know the the value of these very different products. But the truth is, that's what makes our world go round. We're logistics people, and so. Products that make our job easier mean we can reach more people at a lower cost, and potatoes have been critical to our, uh, to our distribution for a long, long time. So, again, when we're putting food in people's cars, and, and that's the primary way that we're doing things these days to minimize right. social contact, um, is people are pulling up in their car, and they see what they're going to get, and we're putting it in their trunk um, they see those potatoes, those apples, those onions, the milk. They see that going in their car. And you just, the, the relief on people's faces is priceless. It really is. So here's a quote
0: from Kelly Turner, who's the executive director of the Michigan Potatoes Association. And she said, during this unprecedented and unsettling time, it is of utmost importance that we continue to keep all of the residents of Michigan in our thoughts and prayers and to act in a way that displays compassion and care for one another. Again, these potatoes could go to market, but they're not. They're going to help our hungry neighbors. And I applaud Kelly uh, at the Michigan Potato Association, Michigan Apples, as well as the Michigan Milk Association, Producers Association. These guys have, have set the pace and they, they, they have definitely put people over profit every time. And I, got, I just got to say, that inspires me to get up and do this work every day.
1: Well, I'm, I'm delighted to be a recipient of that. The people we serve are delighted to be recipients of that. And I would say inspiration is happening from beginning to end of that kind of a thing. We're, we're really grateful. Absolutely.
0: Well, we teased you a little while ago, we're going to do it again, soldiers in the food bank. What's that all about? Jerry and I are back in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Bassan, Dr. Phil Knight here, and uh, we're coming to you via our phone line with our magical producer, Mark Blackwell, at the WJR studio. Always appreciative to Mark and his uh, great abilities to help you and I really sound better than we are, Jerry.
1: Uh, no question about it, man. Does he got his work cut out for him?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good thing this is radio and not TV.
1: Yeah, he'd have even more work to do, no doubt about it. As as we were talking about potatoes, and and I'm uh, saying, you know, I you know I could be Mr. Potato Head, probably. Uh, but anyway, that's a different that's a different story.
0: <laughs> different story, different show. Uh, the Food Bank Council of Michigan and our seven feeding America food banks across the state staying on the job, heroes in my mind, Jerry, I mean, putting themselves at risk, both in health and lots of great publicity about our health care network. Um, my wife, Christy, went out and lit a candle and put it on the porch last night at eight o'clock, you know, to celebrate our health care workers, and they deserve every applause that they can get. And in fact, that just seems too small and too little of a gesture for what they're doing. But at the same time, The truck drivers and the teams in the warehouse that are building these pallets of food to distribute across every county in Michigan is really, really inspiring to me and I just, you know, my heart really does break for them and who they are, our people, putting themselves at risk in order to help Michigan's vulnerable populations during this crisis.
1: Well, there's no question about it. And uh, we worry about our teams all the time. But as much as we uh, put things in place to protect our teams as much as possible from the spread of the oh. virus, we pray for our health care workers every single day, every yep. single day. We remember them, we care for them, and uh, and we are so grateful for their willingness to put themselves in harm's way. For the rest of us, it's a it, it is an inspiration to see day in day out the number of people willing to do that.
0: Well, it is you know since the the announcement of stay at home and and the designation of essential status for the Food Bank Council of Michigan's network um, seven food banks across the state um, that comes with with uh, with a lot of responsibility to our communities. And it's, it's not something we can say, oh, wait, this is really hard. We don't want to do this anymore. There is a determination to see this through to the end whenever that is. And I don't know when that is. I don't know when the peak is going to be. And as the, uh, the doctors are telling us, the virus will tell us when the peak is. No one else will. And so we're, we're, we're staying in this. We're in the beginning I hope we are at least approaching the middle, but I promise you, I believe we'll be here when the end is here as well, distributing emergency food across our state.
1: Well, and probably a little past the end of whatever's happening with the virus. We know the economic impact of this is going to be significant. It's already significant. We are so grateful for the relief packages that are being passed and how the federal government and the state is stepping up and doing what they can for citizens everywhere so that we can minimize the number of people in our lines and maximize the dignity and the livelihood of of so many people. And, And we know that those that stimulus is going to have a ripple effect on the economy um, for the positive eventually. But in the meantime, um, we know that there is a pretty big economic impact. So, um, so we're going to be in this probably well past when the virus peak is over and the community is recovering from what this, this has meant to us all.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I wanna I wanna camp there for just a moment because there have been uh, some significant relief packages passed by the US Congress. And so and often, Jerry, on the calls that I'm on, uh people will say, Well, why do the food banks why are they in need of of, of cash or why are they in need of food? And what about the food drives and, and all of these things that come up that they see on the headlines and um so I'm gonna pick a little bit because I'm gonna borrow a Jerryism if I can, that you know, sometimes you say that um the 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 the, the closer uh the least the, the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve.
1: Right. And That's so, right.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of folks trying to help me solve food supply um concerns that we have and well intentioned, but um You know, we're following every avenue, and that one of those avenues is the the federal relief packages, as you call families-first packages, that passed out of the U.S. Congress. And let me just put this in perspective, because I think that what you just shared is really helpful. This crisis is going to continue past when people stop getting sick. And we're still going to be here. And it's going to be an economic crisis. you know difficulty for some months to come until people and businesses are able to restart and get get back up on their feet both as as businesses and as individuals so the the food and the funds that are passed in these legislative packages will arrive in Michigan in June and July not in April and not in May right and that's important for people to understand that while we're still going to be in need, the immediate need right now is for us to have access to food because we have some buying habits that are happening across the state that is not helping the emergency food network. In fact, it's hindering us from having access to the food that we need because there's a couple of reasons here. We have a, a habit now of what I'll call panic purchasing, where we're buying more than we normally would. But we're buying more than we normally would, too, because we can't go out to eat. We're having to buy groceries in order to eat at home. So those two things combined are putting a stress on the, the supply chain, not that we're going to run out of food, but it, but it hurts our ability in the emergency food network have access to food. Now you know a lot more about that than I do, but I really want to encourage people to stop the panic purchasing and buy enough for your family. Don't hoard. Don't 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 covet. Don't squirrel away stuff that you're probably not going to use. You do not need 17 cans of pinto beans. Stop. <laughs>
1: There was, a, there was a comedian that did something on that uh, recently where the, the impact of hoarding and how much extra people have. And it was, you know, mathematically 20 years of supplies. And, you know, obviously that's an extreme thing. But, but the, the, the bottom line is you're right, Phil. The, the, um, if people just buy what they need, we're all going to have what we need. You know, and so the the and, and really keeping in mind that if you're able to buy what you need, that's a reason to be thankful, uh, because there's people Absolutely. that aren't able to. There's people that need help who who um, who can't do that. And so we need to make sure we're all taken care of. And if we just buy what we need, we'll all get what we need. And that's a very simple rule.
0: I think I think that's well said. Probably probably better said than my little rant there. So I appreciate you uh, <laughs> putting the right tone on that for us. So, uh, well,
1: it's all the right stuff, right? It's all the right stuff.
0: Well, I appreciate you and that your perspective from uh, the being in Detroit, serving in and around Detroit in the five counties, and, and then the, the Forgotten Harvest serving three counties with you, and, and then the rest of the food banks covering the rest of the state. is uh, it But it is a problem. It is a challenge for us, and it's one that we're going to come face-to-face with here in a few weeks, about having enough food. To make sure that we're able to continue to meet the demand the increased demand and we're having some good conversations about that all the way from the executive level all the way through um, the system and we want to keep having those conversations because it's going to be a very real um, uh, challenge for us to be able to solve here it has uh, implications in security it has implications in suffering it has uh, I think the lens that we should look through this in is one that we've talked about is, is equity. But then, you know, the name of this show, Jerry, is Food First. And I'm going to say that Food First, keeping food, people who are food insecure, food secure, making sure they have access to food, is the first line of defense for the people on the first line of defense, and that's our healthcare workers. Because if people become food insecure, they're going to become sick and they're going to come to our health care. And right now, our health care is approaching being maximized and overrun, and we don't need this to happen.
1: Yeah. uh, One of the ways that we talk about that issue is, you know, food is one of the things that fuels our immune system. And the stronger our immune systems are, the less likely we're going to get sick from anything. And so we want to make sure people have enough food across the whole society because it keeps us all healthier. And we've made the connection between food and medicine many, many times on the show. Well, there's probably no more important time than now to reiterate how important it is that everybody has access to enough healthy food. And and we are thus far, we have been really able to dramatically increase our distributions. And the food supply has kept up with those distributions. And we're truly grateful for all of the opportunities we've had to do that. Um, At the same time, we know that it's tightening. We know the lead times are longer. And so we don't want people to have to wait long periods of time in order to get what they need. And so one of the critical things that the whole community has to help us with here is just buy what you need just buy what you need. Now, we're going to go to everyone we know in the food supply chain to get as much food as we can, but we don't uh, we don't wait till after the fact. We're already forecasting that the need is going to outstrip the supply at some point, and so we're asking for help, and we're saying, just buy what you need. That's a very practical thing you can do, and then as we get closer to the point, of, of you know really getting pinched on the food supply side we will obviously be going to all our friends throughout the food supply chain the manufacturers the retailers the growers and everyone that we know and asking them to pitch in if they can so obviously all of those people are busy right now uh but fundamentally that's that's the work and and we're going to do the work
0: yeah very well said thank you hey let's take a quick break and come back and um I promise we're going to tell you why there are soldiers in our warehouses. We're back in just a minute. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with you. And, uh, Jerry, I appreciate all the perspective that you're sharing from these stories and what they really mean, not only to you and your team, but to the people that you're serving and I think it's representative to every food bank across the state.
1: Well, I certainly think so, too. And we obviously are communicating with each other all the time. And, and one of the great joys in talking with the other food bankers is sharing these stories. I mean, they're so mm-hmm. important to us. You know, we're all tired. We're all working long hours. We're all asking our teams to do a lot. And so our our the greatest way for us to re-energize is through these stories, These inspirational things that are happening in the midst of this. And it reminds us of why we do this anyway. Not that we don't know why we do this, but it's a good reminder of, you know, the the way the fabric of the community is woven and the stories are that fabric so it's it's really it's really good for us and i want to say and i know you've been teasing up the the national guard in our warehouses i i also want to say in the fabric of life my dad was a lifelong national guard he retired from the national guard um he started in the army national guard and then uh, was in the air national guard uh not just outside of alpena at uh, the air base there and uh i will say i've always been proud of my dad and his life of service and he always viewed his work as a life of service. And so what a, what a joy it is for me to see our National Guard helping us pack food boxes and quarantine food boxes for people who, who can't leave their homes. And a lot of them are seniors, and, and uh, they're helping us pack 20,000 emergency boxes of food we call them quarantine boxes because they're really designed with food and recipes for people that cannot leave their house, but also cannot afford to buy groceries. And uh, it's the National Guard and a, and a wonderful team of them in our Pontiac Distribution Center that's, that's doing that work for us. And it's been, it's been a real personal joy to, to have them be part of our life right now. I think if you went to
0: our Facebook page, Food Bank Council of Michigan, and scrolled through our timeline, you would see picture after picture after picture of these young soldiers in our warehouses doing the work of packing boxes uh, for our, our our distributions across the state. Many of, the, many of them are accompanying the uh, distributions out as well, uh, not not necessarily as security in any level. It's a humanitarian effort, and that was very clear when our governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, uh, called up the National Guard. It was for humanitarian purposes. How do we send these these soldiers to come alongside the work of the food banks so that we can ensure that this the food that people need is going to continue to flow? Because the, the truth of the matter is, it's a it's a bit of a, as we say, a riddle and a mystery and an enigma because the, the logical inconsistency is we have a stay-at-home order. And so our food banks are all served by the community of volunteers, but yet there's a stay-at-home order. And so to help make up the difference in that volunteer workforce, the governor has given to us um, – Michigan National Guard and both Army Guard and as well as Air Guard are in uh, our food bank. Uh, There's pictures from East Michigan and West Michigan and and, uh, South Michigan. There's pictures from Gleaners and um, there's pictures from uh, food gatherers in in Ann Arbor and um, all of the food banks across the state. And I think it's also uh, very encouraging to me that the Chief Executive Officer of Michigan, our governor, sees the value of our work to the point where she would call up the National Guard for humanitarian efforts and work through the, um, the State Emergency Operations Command Center and assign these soldiers to our work to help make sure that food continues to go out the door.
1: Well, Doctor, a lot of that's a testament to the good work of you and your team, and all of us food banks are grateful for that. You've kept in touch with the state government throughout. They know what we need. They're acting on behalf of the citizens of the state through your good communication efforts to just let let them know, hey, if you did this, it would really matter. They see the truth of that, and they're stepping up, and that's a wonderful testament to you and your team, Doctor.
0: Well, I appreciate that, Jerry. Um, So I I guess that it's... um I can't believe this show's already over. That is time for a little food for thought. When Churchill used that turn of phrase to describe Russia in 1938, a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, he proposed the idea that the country of Russia was different. It was inscrutable and menacing. That played by its own rules, usually to the detriment of those who chose more open regulations. Sounds a lot to me like COVID-19. Menacing in its effect and devoid of morality, an ill respecter of any rules or societal norms. Yet in the midst of this carnage people are stepping up to help. All over Michigan and the United States, food security was and is and continues to be a powerful uniter of us all. We're not out of the woods yet. We need you. The community needs us. And there are those with means, whether it be businesses or individuals, who must make a value based decision that people in need matter more than anything else. This is what leadership looks like. There isn't much of a riddle, mystery, or enigma here. Letting go of resources in the supply chain to help the emergency food network or stop buying more than we need are both the same decisions. And I'm thankful that you're going to help make the right one. Thanks for listening. And remember, now more than ever, it really is food first, folks. Food first.